Hi everyone, welcome to the Lantern Cast. This is our 11th episode. I'm Dan Kersky. And I'm Jim Ford. Alright, so tonight, before we get into anything else, we have some winners to announce. Winners? I know! For those who don't know, we have had a contest running where, well, as you know, like, every Lantern Corps has its own oath or mantra or whatever you want to call it, but they say periodically, and... What we thought was the last one we were going to see was the Black Lantern Oath in Blackest Night, which starts in uh, the beginning of July, I believe it is. And DC decided to unveil their oath about two months early. So apologies to anyone who was waiting to get their submission in, but, you know, it's out there now. You snooze, you lose. Yes. Uh, The Oath made its appearance in the free comic book day, Blackest Night number zero, a couple, what was it, a couple weeks ago? When was Free Comic Book Day? Free Comic Day was May 2nd. In keeping with tradition, why don't you give a uh, dramatic reading of the actual Black Lantern Oath? Oh, okay. I guess someday we can actually just edit all these together and have, like, a giant dramatic reading done by me of all the Lantern Oaths. Yeah, but it's going to keep in the part from last episode where I'm yelling at you to, like, talk sexier while you're doing the Violet Oath. You're so abusive. You love it. You keep <laughs> oh my god. It's horrible. You keep coming back. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. The Black Lantern Oath. The blackest night falls from the skies. The darkness grows as all light dies. We crave your hearts and your demise. By my black hand, the dead shall rise. Very good. Now read it like a zombie. <laughs> Brains! <laughs> that is how they read. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the contest was to, you know, if you I mean, if you look at all of the previous Slanter Notes, you can kind of sp- see the same kind of pattern, rhyme scheme, and whatnot. So if you plug in the theme of death, which is what the Black Lanterns revolve around, you could probably come up with something close to what they would go with. So you were tasked with kind of anticipating this oath, sending in what you think they might go with. And we got some good ones. We got some great entries and some not-so-great entries. No, no, they were all really, really clever. You hate our fans. Shall we announce the winner, Dan? Yeah, let's announce it. Let's, uh, the first place winner is... Drumroll. I don't have a drumroll. Do you have... Are you, be, be, be a drum roll. I'll be a Maybe drum roll. I'll, I'll edit it in later. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> first place <laughs> is... was better than your elevator music. Uh, <laughs> Billy Wamsley. Is that how we're saying his last name? <laughs> yes. Billy Wamsley. And his oath goes... Shall I dramatically read it? Oh, you're volunteering now. I like yes. this. Yes. Yeah, go for it. This okay. is Billy Wamsley's prize-winning first prize oath. Yes, this was the winning oath. In darkest day and pitch black night, the time has come to destroy all light. Our power grows as each one dies. Hear me now, black lanterns rise. Yes, and I didn't realize until you pointed out to me that, you know, like the last two lines of his oath is pretty much, it's, it's not word for word, but he came up with the same exact thematic rhyme scheme as 
freaking Jeff Johns did in the actual oath. So that's that's pretty damn close. Yes, and also it's worth mentioning that Billy makes a point of saying that the way that he envisioned the oath was that it's more like the black hand calling forth the dead instead of a traditional recharging at a lantern. Which is exactly what it ended up being. Exactly. Shall we go for the okay. next winner? Yes. Number two, second place, is the... Well, he's, he's somebody who I think we're all familiar with now. Jason, better be. the Darth, <laughs> Jason, the Darth Knight, who... Well, do you want to... You don't want to do all of these? Do you I'll, I'll switch off? Yeah, I'll do them all. If you okay. Do, do you want to try and dramatically read one? I, I don't think I can... You, you set the bar really high. I don't think I can match that. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, the Darth Knight, Jason, he also had one similarly themed as far as, you know, the Black Hand calling forth the dead. When all is lost in this hero's fight, and he has fallen while doing what's right, come back to us, return to fight, arise from the dead. On this, the blackest night. Yes. That was second place. Definitely worth second place. Third place. This is the category where, you know, you know, first and second prize, they were all about accuracy. Third was, you know, maybe you're accurate, maybe you're not, but you're creative. And for this, we chose... Samuel Roop Smith. Sounds right. Yep. And take it away. In days of life, in nights of death, with black hands the dead shall have a breath. When the living suffer in strife, will end their misery by ending their life. I really like, I think I just said to you off, off air, I really like how he ended it where, you know, it would be really, I don't know, will end their misery by ending their life is like, you would expect it to be tied together or differently, you know? Yes. So, I like that one. That one, that one, the creativity category. So, now what happens is Billy, Billy Wemsley, you can email us at lanterncast.com and give us your snail mail address and we will, well, I will mail you out the prize of your choosing. Remember, you get to pick between the DC Direct Kilowog figure and the Green Lantern Corps art print by Adam Withers. And Dark Knight, Jason, you will be getting whichever of those two prizes Billy does not select. Uh, actually, I think... Well, no, Jason, email, email us your address anyway. Because I think you did already, but I don't think we have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Very unorganized. Exceptionally. And Samuel... Uh, I should have just said everybody email us your addresses because we're Samuel. You're going to get the uh, the uh, JLU DC animated Green Lantern figures. So if we said your name on the show in this last like ten minutes, just email us your home like snail mail address and we will send you things. Oh Dan, I got bad news. What? I wasn't recording any of that. Stop it. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you did, you did this like two episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It never gets tired. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, um, getting back to that contest, thank you to everybody for entering. Everybody that did enter submitted some really, really great oaths, but 
there can only be three winners, so try again next time. I was actually a little nervous. I'm like, is this too soon for us to be running a contest? And then no. I just started worrying. Yeah, as, as, <laughs> as soon as we started, like, as, as soon as we announced the contest, I was like, oh my god, I hope we get at least three entries. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I was if we didn't I'll be honest if we didn't get at least 3 of them I was going to let you like enter under an assumed name. That would have been awesome because I really really wanted that Kilowog figure. Oh, I wouldn't have picked you, but you know. <laughs> You're mean. I'd have given you like some other crap, I don't know. I sent you like some bottle caps or something. Uh, I'll I'll send him some some stickers. They're not even Green Lantern themed. <laughs> I'll tell some bread crust or something. It's just like a giant, like, two-pound box full of it. <laughs> okay, everybody. So, as riveting as the contest results are, we have a lot to get to tonight. So, uh, before we jump into the first half of the Orange Lantern storyline review, we are going to mention a website that I found recently. This thing's insane. It, it is insane. I found this from a link off of eBay. It's a guy that does custom hero clicks. His name on the site apparently is Goldies Custom Hero Clicks or something. I don't really know how mm-hmm. to say that, but in any case, the website is angelfire.com slash ut slash jovert. That's J O V E R T slash mods.html. Is Jovert his last name, do you think? I have no idea. Could be his first name. <laughs> oh, that's true. We'll have a link up on our website so that you don't have to copy down that whole long string of letters. But you have to check this guy's site because he has custom hero clicks that he's modified and painted of tons of different characters, you know, different Black Lanterns that may or may not pop up. He's got Star Sapphire core members, different Blue Lantern members, and of course Dan's favorite. Who do they have, Dan? Who do who do they have? Who do I you know, he has the one character that I'm convinced he started this project for the sole purpose of getting to. He has the way cool awesome Rage Cat. Also known yeah. as Dex Star. Yeah, for income tax purposes, he can be known as Dex Star, but he's way cool Rage Kitty. If I was into Heroclix, like, I would definitely be buying from this guy, I think. I, I remember, I almost got into him, too, but I got kind of... Because, I mean, when you look at pictures of him online, they can look awesome. But when you see him in person, I just got thrown off by how small they are. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of customs that come out a lot better than the ones that actually are in the boxes, too. Like, every one on this guy's site, there's so much detail put into all of them. Like, mm. they're... They're no longer game pieces. They're like mini sculptures. And they look absolutely beautiful. And he has so many. I mean, really, if if you go to our website at all and you see that link, you have to click it. Because you just, you're just you going to want to see all of these things. Yeah, I'm looking right now at his, uh, his pair of Superboy Prime figures. Right. And, you know, you've got the Superboy Prime wearing his um, kind of hybrid outfit between, like, the Superman outfit and the anti-monitor suit. And right next to him is the uh, Sinestro core outfit he has on, where it's the, the Sinestro suit plus the anti-monitor thing. And 
when you look at the level of detail and added parts and everything on these things, you have to remind yourself how tiny a hero clicks are, and it just blows your mind what he's been doing with these things. He even has the Sinestro Corps' Carousel with her three yellow energy dogs. You pointed out he, um, you know how, um, at the end of the Rage of the Red Lantern special, we saw Saint Walker for the first time, but you didn't see that tail thing on his head. Right. He made a he made a Blue Lantern Saint Walker figure that doesn't have the tail thing. Then the very next issue, we saw he does have the tail thing. So he made a, a completely different sculpt that has the tail thing on his head. Yeah, there's a bunch of different variations on several characters. So you definitely owe it to yourself to check this out. And it's not just Green Lantern stuff either. He has Marvel stuff. He has a sword, DC. Like, this guy has a freaking rocket raccoon. He has everything. Silverhawks, if you watched that cartoon when you were a kid. Everybody watched Silverhawks, Dan. Everybody. How could you not watch a show where people in armor shoot laser beams out of their armpits? An easy sell. <laughs> That's easy what I'm talking sell. about. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Okay, well, one more time, in case anybody does want to go on while listening to this podcast, it's angelfire.com slash ut slash jovert slash mods dot html. He even go. has that combination Blue Lantern, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. Speaking of which... That's your segue? Yes. I'm just just saying speaking of which after a random line of dialogue. That's my segue. <laughs> that works. Okay. Green Lantern issue 39? Yes. Shall I do an issue recap? Oh, by all means. Okay. Well, we, we've kind of gotten away from this recently, and I think we should get back to it. Without taking, like... 10 hours. Yes, yes, no, I'm going to try and do this quick. Okay, the issue starts out with the controllers on Okara in the Vega system. Uh, they're there to try and find the orange light. They all get easily taken out by Agent Orange and are all killed. Um, they make a point of saying that now they belong to Agent Orange. Then we go over to the Blue Lantern homeworld, Odim. Hal is trying to get the blue ring off, and they let him know that he has to use it before it will come off. Hal is then recalled to Oa. Then you flash over to the border of the Vega system, where Green Lantern Stell is chasing a Sinestro Corps member into the Vega system. Now, the Vega system is off limits, but Stell keeps chasing after him. And the Yellow Lantern assumes that he's about to be safe because he's in the Vega system. And instead, he is eaten by a giant orange lantern. Yay! Uh, Stell is branded mm -hmm. with the orange lantern symbol. Um, we flash over to Oa, where we see Hal Jordan being tortured by the Guardians as they try to remove his blue lantern ring. And they are interrupted by Stell's body, which now is just his torso and head. And um, we have the Larflees character, Agent Orange, all of a sudden just kind of like pops up out of, I guess that's a orange energy hologram kind of thing. Yeah, I think he's mean, he's like projecting an image of himself through that brand on Stell's body. Right. 
Um, he starts making demands. Scar, the scarred guardian, uh, lets him know that the guardians don't negotiate with terrorists, and they decide to go after him. I really like that first page where it's it's almost subtle how um, you see just this little flicker of orange light, and as it grows brighter, it starts to kind of assimilate all the stars around it because they start turning orange too until there's just nothing but orange glow in the last panel. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. You got blue stars turning orange. That's got to have some sort of significance. We have been wondering how a blue ring would interact with the with an orange one. Although, if you if you think about it, blue can really like. I mean, it blue benefits green, and it can take red and yellow out of the equation. So, make so it makes sense that there would be some ring that can incapacitate blue. So maybe the orange is it. Well, let's see. I hadn't actually thought about that. You have the Red Lantern, where the blue ring kind of like douses the red fire, but the red power still works. It's just that, you know, it's basically like soothing the anger within you. Um, whereas with the Yellow Lantern, so the Sinestro Corps, it just sucks the power out of them because hope dispels fear. So what would hope, how would that interact with greed? It might be like, I don't know, it, it could be like a perversion of hope. Because, I mean, like the, the kind of hope we were talking about with the Blue Lanterns, it's more, it's more, I don't know, pure. Whereas a character like Larflees, I'm sure he hopes that he gets everything. Right. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Hmm. Like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's like the difference between hope and greed could be, you know, whether you have a degree of altruism versus how self-centered you are. Oh my god, or, wait a second. I just thought of something. What? When the Blue Lanterns go to use their ring, and there's a Green Lantern in the vicinity so that they actually can use their ring, what comes yeah. out? The, like, a, a projection, a, a ring construct of what you most hope for, right? Yes. Now, if you're an orange lantern and you just want everything, then, like, basically you'd just be, like, getting completely enveloped and overwhelmed by all the blue constructs that would be flying at you. Huh, interesting. It's like maybe the blue lanterns would be the ideal combatant for the orange. Maybe. It may, well, you know what? If you're right about that, then that answers, I think, the question of how they're going to get this ring off of how. And I, th- I guess this is the... um alleged second weakness to the ring that Jeff Johns mentioned at the New York panel, that you can't actually take it off until the charge is depleted. I get the impression from that that, you know, there's no recharging. You just have it for however long it takes you to use it up, and then it's done. In which case, you know, Hal, in like the next two issues, if Hal comes to terms with his own ideals and hope and whatever, and he can actually manage to use his blue ring... I think he's going to, like, empty it all at once at Larflees. Oh, wow. And if he does that, and he actually is able to take out Larflees, then, instead of just one person running the entire Orange Lantern Corps, then it might set it up for multiple people to actually try and go after the rings and the power. That's true, because... I forget, is it the back of this issue or the next one that has that um, little Tales of the Orange Lantern... No, it was the back of the next one. Right. Where it, at least from that one, it looked like there's just 
you know, this treasure trove of orange rings piled neck high that he's just sitting on. Right. We should probably um, let everybody know that we are completely spoiling, spoiling basically everything we talk about. <laughs> 39 and 40 and anything if, else that we happen to mention. Anything that comes into our heads that we've as- assimilated throughout the last 20 years. <laughs> yes. As long as we know what it is, we're going to spoil it. Yeah, now we'll be fine. Okay. Um, do you like Cell's new design? Oh, actually, I was going to make uh, make mention of that. Um, I kind of do. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't really dislike it. I just really, really loved him looking like this, like classic old school sci-fi robot that was kind of clunky and all like primary shapes. Yeah. I mean, I know what you mean, but it makes sense because of the fact that he was kind of, like, falling apart the last time he went out. Yeah. So if they're well, going to rebuild him, then they might as well make some upgrades. Yeah, which it's... I always feel sorry for Cell because he started... Like, he's... He keeps getting, destro- like, almost destroyed. And he keeps coming so close to completely rebuilding himself and then something happens and like 75% of him blows up again <laughs> even in this issue they've he's yeah. he's gone and given himself this new like great robot body and he comes back with just a torso like, what the hell <laughs> poor Stell. yeah that's probably just his destiny he's like the Kenny of this book that he just doesn't die he just loses all of his limbs and lower body that, that's, that's <laughs> huh. kind of cool I like that Okay, so I, I got I got some uh, some things that I wanted to bring up about that this issue. Um, let's see. First off, when we see the orange lanterns going after the controllers in the lower left hand corner, you have this female orange lantern with claws. Mm-hmm. She has three orange lantern rings on. Well, that makes sense with greed and all. Right. I wonder if they're going to expand on that as far as if it actually has something to do with anything or if it's just the fact that they're greedy so they want more ranks. Like maybe that could be the reason they're all so powerful or... Because, I mean, taking out the controllers, I assume, is hard. Because they're supposed to be on, on the level of the Guardians. Right. Did you see... I think you did, but... Well, I'm sure you did, but I'm gonna ask anyway. Did you see over the last several months, Philip Tan's Orange Lantern sketches being put up on Newsarama. Yes, definitely. Because I'm looking at this this two-page spread, and I'm, like, recognizing almost all of them. Yeah, I'm definitely recognizing a few. Um, oh, also, that female Orange Lantern that I was just mentioning, and I, I will say that I, I can't take credit for discovering this. This was something that somebody else pointed out on the forums for Comic Geek Speak. In issue 38 of Green Lantern, when you see the controllers walking into the forest to try and get the orange power, and you see statues like kind of broken up with vines crawling all over them, she was one of the statues. Really? Yes. Yeah, it's like the first page where you see like the controllers like fighting the the warlords of the planet Okara. She doesn't have like the fins coming off the side of her face. But, like, you can see, you know, the, the facial feature is very similar, and you can see her claws. Maybe this is, because Agent Orange has taken up refuge inside basically an underground palace, 
maybe it was hers. Like, she could have been some sort of royalty on this planet. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it has to mean that necessarily, but I think it's definitely foreshadowing what is to come, like, the revelation of the Orange Lanterns in the next issue. Oh, yeah, also, from the last episode, we were talking about how the Blue Lantern ring went to Hal, so how did St. Walker still have a blue aura? Yeah, I think, like, what was it, was Worth helping them out? Yeah, he was, he was also, he was, like, right next to Worth the whole, whole time, so he was using Worth's aura. Yeah, and, and here we got that panel where the Guardian flat out said, we're going to have to give you a new ring, St. Walker. Right. When Larflees shows up at the end, he tells the Guardians that his feasting time was spoiled and that something was taken from him. Yeah, that's... Because at first I thought, oh, he's talking about the controller showing up. But, yeah, no. Yeah, I think Scar popped in there, took something, and left. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking also, which, again, I'll, I'll be able to back that up the next time, then at the next issue. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and also, one more thing, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. say this, and you're going to Go know ahead. what I'm talking about, but we're not oh, going to okay. actually explain this until next episode. Next episode? All right. <laughs> yes. In this issue, five controllers die. That's five immortals that are dying. Oh, Jesus. Okay. You, you know what I'm it, getting at. Yes. Yes, I do. I do. Okay. Now, I'm the, sure The that... one time we choose not to spoil something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm sure that there's a few listeners out there that that know what we're getting at, but we will be uh, discussing the new Tales of the Green Lantern Corps trade that we mentioned last episode. We're going to review that next episode, and there's a storyline in there that we think was going to tie very closely into Blackest Night, and with Immortals dying, it it plays very, very closely to that particular storyline, and that's all we'll say. Did you, uh... Now, I was surprised to see the, uh, rather senseless torturing of Hal by the Guardians. I mean, they, I figured when they recalled him to Oa, they would be trying to, like, figure out how the ring works, to how to get it off, and or maybe, like, ordering him or, to do it or whatever, but they're basically, they're all gathered around him, shooting him, yelling, give us the ring. It's like what? It's it's not working. It's like you can obviously. I mean, what? What did you make of that? I mean, are they just that desperate now? Or um, I think I think they are. They're just kind of like grasping at straws to keep the emotional spectrum down, and it's not working at all. So they're becoming more and more desperate. Yeah, I always picture the guardians as reacting more like, intelligently, you know? Instead of, like... I mean, these are the last people you expect to try and solve anything with Force, you know? If anything, they might call in other Green Lanterns to try and shoot Hal or something. Yeah, it's yeah. it's almost as if, like, they're really, really being affected by fear. That's what it comes down to. the Because um, they're... I mean, the, the Green Lanterns are learning lessons that they're not. That, what was the biggest thing that they 
got out of Rebirth was that in order to deal with the weakness, you ha- you can't try and eliminate fear. You have to learn to deal with it. And the Guardians are still of the mind that, well, we have to eliminate it. So they're not dealing with it, so it's starting to own them. Well, to go back to that prophecy that Atrocitus had for Hal Jordan, maybe the idea of the Guardians fighting Hal Jordan has something more to do with the fact that maybe they're all infected with Parallax, and he has to fight them because of that. Mm, I'm inclined to not think that. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. What would happen if a guardian like Ganthet or Sade were to, you know, stand next to one of the other guardians? Would they amp up, like, a willpower guardian the same way that a blue lantern ring can amp up a green lantern? If, if it would have that effect, that could be fairly useful. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to see that. And if we do, I don't think they're going to use it like that. Although, you know, you never know, because I didn't expect them to haul off and start shooting the crap out of the anti-monitor themselves either, but we got that in Sinestro Corps. Right. Well, um, the Guardians are, like, living power batteries themselves. Yeah, basically. So we know what the effect of a blue lantern ring or a blue lantern power battery does to a green lantern ring, but what would a blue lantern battery do to a green lantern battery? Maybe it would do nothing... Because the battery doesn't use the the energy. It's it just, just storing it. it. Yeah. But moving along, because we've just discussed yeah. this one issue for quite a while. The only other thing I'll say about this issue, I'm glad... Like, this is the first new law that I'm glad they passed. Because ever since Recharge, I have wanted to see the Guardians open up Vega... And now they've just amended their, um, what is, I don't know what number law it is, but the Vega system is no longer outside of the core's jurisdiction. So now this one solar system is not a refuge for any criminal in the universe that wants to escape them. Yeah, that's that's law four, which amends the book of Bubba. There's there's like six left. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The last thing I wanted to mention was... This giant orange lantern that we see that just kind of, like, eats the Sinestro Corps member. Oh, yeah, awesome. He's awesome. I think that's Bloom. I really should have pulled up those sketches that uh, Phil Pan... I didn't do that either, actually. They, they mention it in the next issue. Oh, okay. So, speaking of which, issue 40... You want to do this one, too? Um, you could do this one. All right, well... We open with Fatality, who's a Violet Lantern. She's kind of reflecting on her history, and she decides she's going to go out and find Jon Stewart, basically to forgive him and like to help both of them move past their shared disaster, because Jon was the one who didn't stop her planet from blowing up. We flash forward to the Guardians, all but Scar, and a, a small army of Green Lanterns just storming the Vega system to just arrest whoever they can along the way. But their real target is Larfleeze, Agent Orange, on the planet O'Kara. The Guardians pretty much come out and say, flat out, that Larfleeze, I have to get used to saying that name out loud, is host for the Orange entity. So he, he is. is basically... 
Yeah, they said it on, um, where is it? Let me find the page. It's the page right after that double page spread of them flying. It's the middle panel. The Guardian says, It is imperative we take this voracious mammal into custody. He contains a power as threatening as Parallax. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Larflees is, he is right up there with Ion and Parallax. Now, do you think that the entity is called Larflees, or is the entity called Agent Orange? I would think it's called Larflees, and maybe Agent Orange was the pers- was the actual... Because I'm also trying to figure out, like, would the greed entity... Well, I guess the greed entity would be dominant. And I, like, a thought I had along the way was, like, what if there w- is no host, and this Agent Orange actually is the entity itself? And it's just hogging all of the power. Mm. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, as oh. like the only thing that would, you know, detract from that is that he contains a power. True. Anyway, let me let me finish this thing. Right. Yeah. All right. Definitely. So, so yeah, they're they're flying along. The blue ring on House Finger keeps freaking out because it's trying to figure out. All right, what does this guy hope? He really doesn't hope anything, so he just keeps getting these weird hope seizures. Um, they get to Okara, where they're ambushed by, like, a dozen or so orange lanterns who are just beating the crap out of them. Uh, absorbing the get, constructs. Yeah, they're absorbing their constructs and just generally tearing everybody apart. We meet, uh, what was his name? Greddy. You know, this is his home sector. He hasn't been around, because he's a nomad, and yeah, it wouldn't really matter, because his, uh... The Green Lantern Corps doesn't hold much jurisdiction in that area, so he he generally travels and well, you can't go home again because <laughs> he he comes back to Vega for the first time for this mission and ends up getting killed. Way to go, Guardians! And uh, while all this crap is going on on the surface, Larfly smells the blue ring and snatches Hal, pulls him down into the depths of the planet to presumably rip it off his hand and take it away. Well, that's what he wants to do anyway. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is a sign that... I th- Well, I think this is, like, the beginning... It's, how the hell should I say this? I don't know. Ba- based off of this issue, I'm inclined to think that I might be right about there being only one Orange Lantern. Because the way that I interpreted this, and, you know, if I'm just skewing the results because I want to be right, please tell me, <laughs> um, is that s- say you're confronted by a big orange glowing dude. He kills you. Like, records your identity or whatever. Right. And then a a new orange construct is formed in your likeness to basically be an avatar of you. And that serves Agent Orange. So all of these guys that the core is fighting and losing to are basically like orange energy puppets based off of real people that were killed by other orange energy puppets. Because for me, like, if you're going to say, like, what does it say after they kill Greddy? Consumption complete, identity stolen. Agent Orange isn't going to want there to be anyone else alive who possesses this identity. He would only want it to be his. He wouldn't want another living thing to possess it. So I don't, I don't perceive these orange lanterns as being actual living creatures. Um, 
Now, I know that you have not read Blackest Night yet. Number zero, no. So, have you also not gone on the DC website to look at the core profiles? I actually, no. I, I saw somebody posted them on the forum, and I looked at them, but the print was small, and I didn't feel like, you know, straining, so I didn't read them. Ah, uh, yeah, because they kind of answer that in the Agent Orange profile page. Am I wrong? Shall I spoil you it? Can tell. You can tell me. No, you're absolutely right. Really? Yeah, yeah, and this is, you know, spoilers for Blackest Night, although it's already on the website. Spoilers for DCComics.com! Yes. Um, the Green Lanterns made a pact to stay out of the Vega system. The pact was recently broken, and the sole remaining keeper of the Orange Light, Larflees, a.k.a. Agent Orange, has unleashed his Orange Lanterns seeking to steal and consume any and all rings. Agent Orange is capable of creating Avatar Orange Lanterns of the beings he kills, literally stealing their identity post-mortem. I think I just used up all of my rightness, like, on this. (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to be completely wrong about everything else for the rest of the year. It goes on to say, the weaknesses of the power. Uh, The orange ring is unable to drain power from a blue ring. Its interactions with the indigo ring are as yet unknown. The orange ring also has addictive side effects that have, to this date, gone unmeasured. Well, if you think about that, willpower is kind of, it's just like a force of action, right? It's, mm-hmm. you can only do so much before you can't do any more. Right. Whereas hope, hope is more intangible. It's, you know, you could be on your deathbed and still have really strong hope, so... It's not really something that can be depleted, I guess. It, uh, it's it's hard to put into words, but it's you know yeah we yeah, yeah you know you know <laughs> yeah. Now now my my question is, how does an orange lantern react with the star sapphires? Because yeah, like if you have love, then you know you can just keep on giving love, especially a star sapphire where they have this star sapphire ring which just fills in their heart and allows them to keep on giving love and giving love and giving love now if an orange lantern is you know something that just keeps taking and you have another ring that just keeps on giving then what would be the interaction there i I think we've just unlocked the real real turning point in the whole blackest night thing where you know larflees and the Zamoran Queen will just start making out, and they'll just be just doing that forever. And meanwhile, the Violet Corps will start re- recruiting dudes, and Hal will get a Violet Ring, and it'll be all happy ending. The end. Yes, maybe, maybe some uh, some points that I wanted to point out. Have they ever mentioned before that Fatality trained on Okara? You know, I actually was thinking about that. I looked that up. And that apparently was part of her history. Because really? it's in... Yeah, I went to... You know, we mentioned on the show before the unofficial Green Lantern Corps webpage. Right. And, yeah, I looked at her bio, and it does mention Okara on there. And I thought, well, maybe that was just recently added. But the last time this was updated was when Grant Morrison was writing the JLA. <laughs> so I, I'm assuming this has been in there. <laughs> All right. Since, like, the early 90s. 
Oh, okay. So, so our Okara is in continuity then. I yeah, mean, it's it's which, in past continuity. Yep, it's it, it's come up at least in passing before. So Jeff Johns didn't make it up. That's cool. Okay, so we we touched on uh, the fourth law. The Vega system is no longer off limits. Something that I thought was interesting. And it was very, like, it was right at the beginning. It was really just blink and you miss it. At least one of the Guardians is starting to object to Scar constantly pushing. Yes. In the second panel, he's they're floating there. Scar's talking about, like, you know, we gotta go in and we gotta get this guy. <laughs> and this Guardian's, like, he says, quote... You continue to insist we interfere in those who wield the power of the emotional spectrum, but what have we gained? And then, you know, she gives her whole little, little spiel, and everybody agrees with her, and he just, he flat out says, you know, I want my disagreement to be recorded in the Book of Oa. So, the Guardians, like the, the I, I almost said the real Guardians, the main Guardians, the Green Lantern Corps Guardians, themselves are starting to to wisen up a little bit, even if it's only one of them right now. Well, I, I think, like, even more than that, just the fact that you have one disagreeing with the rest of them, it's starting to show cracks in the unification of the Guardians, which is probably something that Scar is really, really wanting. Yeah, because the closer they get to the Blackest Night, the harder it's going to be for them to lie to themselves about this whole situation. Yeah, something that I thought was interesting i i never actually i guess I'm, I'm sure that they brought this up before but i was never paying attention or like i never caught it or whatever but vega is it's just one solar system with 25 worlds in sector 2828 yeah i was a little surprised by that too i always thought it was bigger yeah i always thought it was its own sector yeah like I'm, i've never really thought about how big I thought it was. I just pictured it as being this gigantic space, you know? Yeah. Because when it, you think about it, it's supposed to be this refuge for pretty much any bad guy in the universe who wants to escape the Green Lantern Corps. Yes. Even, like, even 25 worlds, that still sounds like a lot of people to fit into one spot, you know? No, it is interesting that, like, it is a system, and you have that Gretty... He's the Green Lantern of that core, but he's never around because whenever he's chasing anybody, they just go right into Vega, and then it's off limits for him. Yeah, you see, he just doesn't even bother. I looked him up, too, because I, I wasn't sure if we had seen him before. It turns out he did appear, like, back in the Silver Age, but I don't think I've ever read his appearances, but he's, he was an existing character. We have a passing reference from Torquemada, the ma magical Green Lantern. Yes, the one in the uh, the uh, Origins, Origin and Omens. Yes, that was yeah. I couldn't remember his name last time. Yeah, he he says that you know he's never seen anything in all his pilgrimage in his pilgrimage to the nine mystic worlds or anything like that. Now, you know, it may just be a passing statement, the nine mystic worlds, but it may have some sort of significance in the future. I was going to say, like, is that... Do you read Legion? Or have you ever read the Legion of Superheroes? Um, not really. Because I have on and off. I feel like, like, the Nine Mystic Worlds is something that has 
been played up in their book before. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I think it'll. I I think it it probably will become significant if if you know that origin of omens is what it looks like, and it looks like the guardians are turning against random magic again. And I, uh, I also wonder if uh, some of these mystic worlds aren't the worlds that the lanterns have popped up on maybe like you know odom i would say is probably a prime candidate for being a mystic world you would have to be magic to be that awesome looking did you catch that um when they land on okara the guardians call hal the blue lantern it was right after greddy noticed that his ring was at 123 percent and they had that lightning in the background which that's another thing yeah if if different members of the core start to see that, hey, you know what, blue lanterns can increase our power and make us do our jobs better, they might be inclined to think, well, maybe we, we shouldn't be listening to the Guardians and fighting against them. That's true. That's <laughs> so, of course, the first guy that might be thinking that gets torn to shreds, <laughs> like, three pages later. Poor Greddy. It's, it's a shame. Like, they brought him, they brought back this old character that nobody's used in forever, and then they killed him off in the same issue. Unless they're going to bring him back at the end of this. Well, now he's an orange lantern, so so technically he's still around. Yeah, but that's like if, like, your dog dies and you have him stuffed and you keep him in your living room. He's, he's not your dog still. He's, you know, he's your, your taxidermy dog. <laughs> Greddy is a big orange taxidermy dog. Very nice. Very nice. Well, something I thought was really weird was mm. when the controllers pop up as orange lanterns. Um, yes. You have one of the guardians, like, shoot energy at him, and the energy is blue. Yeah. I was going to bring that up, too, because that happened earlier, too. When, um, when, they're, when they're first coming into Vega... And you see that spaceship just get paralyzed with in an energy field. It's blue energy, but we know Hal can't use his ring yet. So I don't know if it was just a coloring mistake because it happens twice. Unless it's because <laughs> there's a blue lantern in the vicinity. True, maybe because we were just talking about what would happen, like what right. effect would these have on guardians? And I like that justification of like, because after. After last issue, you might wonder, why the hell... Like, why isn't Hal locked up on Oa? Like, why did the Guardians let him come along on this raid? And he says it right there. It's like, they can't get the ring off, so they want to watch me use it so they can see what it, what's up with it. That's, that's a little... I mean, I probably still would have tried locking him up and dealing with it later, but, you know, <laughs> it's a good enough justification. What do you make of that, uh, that hope-seizure vision Hal has, where he sees, um... I mean, a lot of the people he sees make sense to me. Some don't. We see Cowgirl, we see Carol Ferris, we see Batman and The Flash, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, Superman, and in the background, Wonder Woman. With Cowgirl and and Carol, it makes sense, because, like... I mean, there's just so many layers with those two. It's like like he could hope he'll have a good relationship with Cowgirl, or there's probably part of him that kind of hopes to get back with Carol, but there's also part that probably hopes he and Carol can like keep pushing forward instead of going dwelling on the past or whatever. Right. And you oh, know, with... wait a second, I just realized something. What? Okay, 
We have the Flash, who Barry Allen, up until, like, very recently, was dead. And we have the Martian Manhunter, who's dead. And we have Aquaman, who's dead. And the Superman, if you look closely at the S symbol on his chest, that's not our Superman. Oh, that's, yeah, it's got the, uh... That's Earth thing. 2 Superman. Interesting. Who is dead. And then you have <laughs> Batman, who's dead. Um, Ish. Yeah, the only one that doesn't make sense is Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's but... the one that threw me. And it also occurred to me that almost every character on here either has been confirmed as a Black Lantern or has a Blackest Night tie-in miniseries. Oh, right. And it also could make sense, like, like he, like he might hope to see some of these characters, these guys again. Because I mean, I don't know if this is supposed to take place before Flash Rebirth, but you know, some part, considering all the resurrection these guys see in their lives, like some part of them might be hoping that they'll come back too, because he did it. Let's see something that I mentioned for the last issue. One <laughs> of the things that kind of plays into the idea that Scar was the one that took something from Larfleys is the fact that she's the only one that does not go to Okara. Yeah, that was so, like, I laughed at that, because they're like, she says, I'm sorry I couldn't go with you, and they're like, oh, you're sick, it's fine. She's like, yeah, cough, cough, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, cough. (laughs) (laughs) She's fucking, she called, a guardian of the universe called out sick and faked it. Ugh. God, there's going to be so much more crime all over the universe because of this. Because now all of these criminals and terrorists and shit are like pouring out of Vega and they're just going to go wherever. If they were actually focusing on apprehending these guys instead of going after Larfleas, and that would be cool, but they really didn't. I don't think they thought ahead with this. No, no, like that completely was not in their head <clears throat> at all. Um, wow. Let's see. I-, I want to talk quickly about the art in these two issues. Yeah, that's kind of the elephant in the room for me. Oh, really? An elephant in the room. Yeah. But you you go, you go first. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Um I there are things that I like that just kind of seem like little um uh okay. And then there are other things that I absolutely love. Like the way fatality is drawn, I love that. I, I mean, I think, like, that that full page, you know, the first splash page with Fatality in it is gorgeous, especially with all the energy yeah. coming off of her. The first two pages with her, I don't know what it is. Like, it just really invoked Ivan Reese to me, you know? Really? Yeah, it kind of reminded me. I don't know. I don't, well, I, I don't think so because, like, just, like, continuing on, you can really see the difference in style. As far as, like, there's a lot of cross-hatching, uh, a lot of shading, there's a lot more pencil work or ink work, you know, as far as, you know, the characters, as opposed to someone like Ivan Reese. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's it's, it's a lot busier. And that's not, a, that's, not, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just, like, it's kind of a dramatic change yeah. all at once, yeah? Yeah, it's more sketchy, I think. Yeah, like... Uh, there's just like some some things like you know you have this uh, this blue lantern 
seizure thing that you mentioned, just like the the perspective on that is like, you know, it's crazy. I love that. It's just like this whole thing just shooting out in every direction. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really cool. Um, I don't know if I'm completely on board with the, the sketchy, you know, the busy look, like you said. But in the scenes where it kind of loses that, like when they're fighting the controllers, the Orange Lantern controllers, um, you know, even when Jon Stewart has to face Gretty as an Orange Lantern, like that's gorgeous. That's absolutely gorgeous. Now that's like looks, you know, it's it's crisp and it's clean, as opposed to <laughs> some of the other things, which I guess kind of look a little like almost muddy. Yeah. Is that you know? Would that be a a fair assessment? That that you yeah I, I could would call it fair, like especially that shot where the controllers pop up that you mentioned where John's there. You know, the last page of you know this story with Larfleas kind of like looming over Hal. That that's awesome. Like that is absolutely gorgeous. Just like if I was Hal Jordan right there. And all of a sudden, this giant thing is, like, standing over me with, like, orange flame coming off of it. Enormous, like, you know, claws outstretched. Like, I would be terrified. I would be absolutely, like, just horrified. Yeah, that's one thing that I... That's one great big positive I have to give Philip Dan. Is that his artwork kind of evokes the mood of, like, a horror movie. Which is, I think, the kind of look that they want to start moving towards as we get closer to Blackest Night. Uh, I mean, like, this whole... That, that spread, like, right next... Well, not the spread, but that page right next to his uh, hope seizure. I'm going to patent that term, I think. Okay. Uh, <laughs> where it's got, like, the core landing and the Guardians and that green lightning in the background, like... It, like that shot, like the art style looks completely appropriate because it just invokes that, just that mood, you know. Yes. Where everybody's shrouded in shadow, but they're putting off this extreme light, but you still can't see everything, and it's almost overwhelming you. Mm-hmm. And then a few pages later, right across from where the controllers pop up, you have that top shot of the guardians before they level the forest. Oh yeah, definitely. And they, yeah, they got this whole like like, Village of the Damned kids thing going on that's just really creepy. Yeah, um, no, I mean, like, really, it's it's kind of odd as far as, like, the page opposite where Greddy comes back as an Orange Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the bottom panel, you have John Stewart's face. Yeah, John does not look like John. Like, especially if you look to the page immediately next to it where they, he draws his face again. It's like yeah. two different characters. Right. And I mean, it's just, it's odd as far as you have the one page where it's it's basically clean and it's crisp. And you don't have, like, a lot of this cross-hatching. cross, cross hatching. And then, you know, you go back to the other page. And, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not bad, like, by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I mean, all the art in this is good. It's just as far as it's fitting together it just it almost seems like like this bottom panel like the <laughs> the cross hatching and that is something that i would find in like like an indie book kind of thing that you would be that would be in black and white yeah where you don't necessarily need it as much in a colored book exactly i i am i'm just curious as far as like you know 
the the two page spread where they're flying into Vega, and you have Hal Jordan like you know right on the the left side, John Stewart right on the right side, like you know front and center. And I mean, like the art is it's gorgeous. Like this two page spread is absolutely gorgeous. Um, like you can make a poster out of this. It's it's beautiful. But again, oh, you have this this cross hatching and you know shadowing and extra lines and then like for such a drastic difference you go to the hope seizure page and you see (laughs) the way that he draws cowgirl you know and it's like well it looks like two completely different things it's you know i I just realized what john has a completely different face on that two-page spread too so we're up to three we're up to three completely different john stewart faces uh I don't know. It's weird. I I can't figure it out. Here's my thing. I think Philip Tan's artwork, and let me preface this by saying that as far as I know, this is the first comic I've read drawn by him. I don't think I've seen his work elsewhere before. I I can't say for certain. He did. So I'm just uh, speaking of Final Crisis Revelations. Okay, yeah, no, I didn't read that. I want to, but I didn't read it. But um, I think... Phil Tan's artwork loses something in the inking and coloring process. Because I was reading, well, not really, re- I guess reading because they were articles, but when we mentioned earlier how Newsarama was doing these, um, these, uh, what were they doing? They were putting up all of his, like, finished pencil sketches of Orange Lanterns over the course of several months to kind of get people jazzed for this story arc. And it was just his pencil work. And I remember, like, we even specifically got to see this two-page spread from issue 40 of all the Green Lanterns flying forward. Right. And I just, I remember liking this spread so much more when I saw it as pencil work than I do now. Because it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think for his level of detail, working directly in pencil is more appropriate for his style. Oh my and god, I, you think I don't maybe know it was the anchor? I don't know. I don't know if it would if it would be better if he had a different inker or if he had a different colorist, or maybe it was both the inker and colorist. Or but I don't know. I don't. Okay. What we have to do is find on Newsarama those pencils. Going to Newsarama now. Doing a search for Philip Tan. Oh yeah, like what, the pencils what? on this are gorgeous. Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god. Are you seeing this? Yeah, now I want to see the pencils for this entire story. And I I guess it's not that big of a deal because we know he's only draw this he's only be on for these four issues. But it's like I don't know, it's it's just some some facet of the collaborative process isn't clicking as well as it should be, I think. Oh no. No, I mean I'm going to post a link to this two-page spread on our website also and that way people can go and follow the link and see what this page was supposed to look like and i mean like the pencils on this are just amazing and by all means you know we're not trying to bash anybody so by all means if you think if you disagree with us and you think the art in this issue and in these this group of issues works for you perfectly you know you can chime in and you can tell us why we're wrong (laughs) please do And, and if you insult us creatively, we'll read it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> sure we will. 
Oh, you know we will. We read everything. That's true. I'm, I'm thinking now maybe it was the anchor on this book. Kind of makes sense. Because, yeah, that one panel with the controllers popping up out of the ground. Yeah, that was a really ink-heavy yeah. ink couple panels. Now what we have to do is go to Comic Book DB and see what Jonathan Glapion has been on. I was just looking at them like, who? Because it's, it's a different inker, too, than we've had. You know, while you're looking that up, I just have to say, Jason was right. I love Glomulus. Oh, no, I don't think he was talking about Glomulus. Really? Nope. Well, he was talking about issue 39 first, but then he said Green Lantern Core. So, yeah, but I read that, too, and there wasn't wasn't a noose in us. Oh, yes, there was. The ring. The ring around the planet. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I like Glomulus, damn it. <laughs> yeah, Glomulus is very cool. And also, he rem- uh, Bloom from the last issue. It, yeah, the giant head guy? Yes. Yeah, at first, I, I didn't remember him from the sketches. So I thought, like, is that... Like, imagine if that's, like, the orange entity or something. <laughs> Just, like, a big fucking head. But Glomulus is great. He reminds me of Slimer. <laughs> nice. Oh. Um... Okay, so apparently Jonathan Glapian, the inker on these two issues, was also the inker on the Ion miniseries issue nine. That was that was towards the end, right? It might have been in with their uh, better issues, actually. I definitely don't remember the art, though. I think that was back when it's, it shifted more towards like traditional comic art, as opposed to like the high paint, concept painted stuff. I don't know. Anyway. Oh well. Let's well, look at uh, what'd you think what'd you think of the backup story here about Glomulus? Oh, I liked it. I definitely like that. I like all those tales of type cores. I love it. Like this, like it's little things like this I hope we get out of that uh, Tales of the Core miniseries too. Oh yeah, I, these I are just definitely. fun. I mean Glomulus doesn't even talk he like hops around making noises and eating things. He's he's all he's like a potato. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, yeah. this is uh art by Raphael Albuquerque, who did most of the well not most of, but he did like a huge chunk of the uh Blue Beetle series, which I loved. The most recent one? Yeah. The Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle that just ended. That must have been before, what is it, Mike, how many issues did Mike Norton do on that? I don't know. The one I can remember right off the top of my head is the all-Spanish language issue, which was awesome. And I know that now that the Blue Beetle is getting that co-feature in Booster Gold, Mike Norton is going to be doing that. Right. But, uh, I don't know. Raphael Albuquerque has done a lot of those, of Blue Beetle issues, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I like the art in that. That was good. Serviceable. Definitely <clears throat> cool. Fun. Next up on the Beetlecast. <laughs> um, something that I thought was funny, issue 40 of Green Lantern, like the very last page, the inside back cover, has a preview for a movie that's already out of the theaters. Oh, jeez. <laughs> is, this li- is this late? Or is this... Well, it's Green Lantern, so it's probably late, but how late is this? That should be the question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Oh. That's just crazy, though. Um, 
Wait, now, when did... Because when was this in theaters? Because I, I didn't go see it, obviously. Because apparently <laughs> no one did. But, but like, I remember seeing commercials for it, and then they just stopped. So, when did it actually come out? <laughs> uh, I would say, like, at least a month ago. Huh. I don't remember... I don't... Was this book delayed? Or was it just catching up from past delays? I think this this one's just catching up from past delays. I know, like, they've... I think they double-shipped this month, and I think once Blackest Night starts, there's two issues of Green Lantern in July. One thing that I thought was, like, just absolutely hysterical, and I'm not actually going to talk about the comic itself, but in Flash Rebirth number two... If you look at the back, it's a an ad for milk featuring Wolverine. In a Flash book. On the back cover Amazing. of the Flash book, yes. Why not? <laughs> I mean, DC's you know, like, finally figured out how to cash in on, on Marvel movies. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's just, that's horrible. Oh my god. I don't know. I mean, this. I mean, overall, what did you like? Do, what What are your feelings about Agent Orange, the story arc, right now? Because it occurred to me after I read issue forty that we're halfway done with it, and I don't know if it's just the hype, but I feel kind of underwhelmed from it. Um, uh, I don't know. I can't say that. I'm totally blown away by the whole story. I mean, obviously, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's it's a fun ride kind of thing. But, like, I guess I, I'm still more interested in, you know, more having to do with the Blue Lantern storyline and finding out about the Indigo tribe. And, you know, like, yeah. I, I want to hear more about the Star Sapphires. I, I just don't think I'm that drawn to the Orange Lantern idea right now as it is. I think for me it's a combination of the fact of like, you know, they've been hyping Agent Orange forever. They've been like this is the the final story arc before Blackest Night starts. There's like a really kind of abrupt and a little bit of a spotty art shift from Ivan Reese to Philip Tan. There's there's just like so much like like it felt like this ish like these issues should be just packed with stuff going on and so much information and it's like I don't know I mean they're, they're, we don't know what's going to happen in the next two issues but I thought we would get a little more out of these you know I don't know I don't know how to describe it I was still there, I was still definitely tell people to read it but yeah because it feels like up till now you could kind of judge issues of Green Lantern on their own whether they're part of a story arc or not but these I think we're going to have to read the next two issues of Agent Orange before we can really say, okay, that was good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I think this is going to be one that reads better in trade, maybe? Possibly. Give them credit for this. The first few times I heard the name Larflees, I thought it was stupid. And now I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Larflee. I'm, I'm going to, like, name, like, a cat that or something. Yeah, I'm not gonna name Here's the cat fleas. something with fleas in it. Lar fleas, come on, embrace the reality. <laughs> embrace the fleas. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Okay, so that is Green Lantern 39 and 40. Very not, nice. 
yeah, they're they're good. Although I will say, <laughs> I am magic. Here's why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is actually this is actually something that I, you pointed out to me that um for the uh, CGS Super Show last year a bunch of people got together and they we ma- all made like sketch cards about whatever we wanted and we traded them and I went with a uh, a uh, Green Lantern theme where I just drew, drew characters as different colored lanterns you know I had the the Green Lantern Batman I had you know whatever and. I wanted to draw a red lantern, but I didn't know what any of them were going to look like, but we had the symbol. So I just drew Hal Jordan as a red lantern. And hey, guess what? Hal Jordan became a red lantern. <laughs> and I drew, like, just some random person as an orange lantern, holding a battery, saying, mine. And here we have the first of two confirmed covers of an orange lantern hugging a battery with the word mine going on in the background. So, there we go. You got your prophecies right here. Yes. Yes, you're magic. That's what it is. Yes. Yes, I am. Speaking okay. of magic, we got we got an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good segue. It's like, I like cheese. Speaking of cheese, a listener wrote in and said... <laughs> Something uh, having to do nothing yeah. with cheese. Yes. Although... Everything we do is cheesy, so. Um, this is from Matthew Ludwig. This Have we seen him on the forum? I don't know. Yeah, as far as, far as we know, he's not on the forum, so hi, Matt. Um, I was one, he says, I was wondering if, as you've been saying, Hal Jordan was to break off and make his own core, what if he were to make a rainbow core, in quotes, one maybe from each of the other cores. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Have we brought up that idea before of him kind of having like this uh this uh hodgepodge kind of core where it's just like members of different cores working together? Well, we brought up the concept of like a team of like one representative from each core as like an ambassador kind of thing so that they could, like, talk and, you know, work things out and, you know, take on problems like that, yeah. As far as Hal Jordan, like, starting his own core and then using people from other cores also, I mean, it's a possibility, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, the problem, I think, comes from the fact that, like, there's like I would absolutely believe that you could have someone with a green ring, a yellow ring, a blue, and like a violet, and potentially indigo. We don't know anything about them yet, but I'm assuming they're okay. Like all agreeing to work together. But when you have like red and orange, I don't necessarily think that would that would work out just because of the nature of what the power does to these people. Right. Um. Although. I will say, like, the the running theme with Hal Jordan lately has been, you know, you become a better person by learning to deal with your emotion. He has to, to, to deal with an extreme representation of that all at once. Like, I mean, because what did dealing with, with um, Parallax teach him? It taught him how to handle his own fear. And he's, he's going to have to, de- to learn 
what it means to be hopeful here, and he's going to have to learn how to deal with greed. And well, I guess he didn't really deal with rage; he just kind of got that forced out of him. But I think you would have to have a really well-rounded person who might have to take the same kind of journey as Hal is in order to have like an orange lantern or a red lantern that could be a part of a kind of United Nations of cores kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, someone like Atrocitus who actually can think and speak, you know, in the Red yeah. Lantern Corps, like, you know, that's that's one thing. Um if there were more Red Lanterns like that, but you know, I don't think Atrocitus would have any interest in joining that kind of a team. Know who they should get? Who? Oh. Rage Kitty. <laughs> Just yeah. give him a saucer of milk, and he'll mind his own business, and just have Gnord in the background to just, you know, keep him in line. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you. I am telling you. that's We're going to get a panel where the Rage Kitty is tearing shit up, and then Gnord comes in. Because you got a freaking alien, evil alien cat, you got a good alien dog that hasn't been seen in forever. It's going to happen. <laughs> the team-up you never thought was possible. Now, one thing that I was, was thinking was possibly if, like, if, uh, Lara like, comes back as a Black Lantern and somehow, you know, comes back to life after that and becomes a Red Lantern again. You know, that, like, Hal Jordan was able to get through to her, you know, at, like, the last possible second. So maybe she could be, you know, another person that's, you know, along those lines. So you could see her in, like, a group like this as a Black Lantern? Well, no, I mean, I could see her as a Red Lantern if she comes back to life. Oh, okay. How awesome would that be? They're, they're like, sitting around a table, Lara's, like, trying to eat the person next door, they're like, Lara, Lara, we're trying to have a serious conversation here. Stop eating the delegate from Quard. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, it's, it's a good concept, and, you know, it would be interesting to see. It's just that, like you said, it would be difficult for them to work together with you know, that particular side of the spectrum. Maybe if it was, like, the guardians of each core, or if each core even has them, because, I mean, they're more inclined to just kind of kind of give each other the benefit of the doubt a little bit and just kind of tolerate each other without resorting to violence immediately. Plus, they're, they're used to just sitting back and being all administrative. We'll see. I, I, I uh, listened to your... Uh, your uh, what was it? You said a few a few episodes back, you know, like turn off that space music or something. <laughs> I don't remember that. You said it. I don't know what the context was, but that was your guardian impression. Oh, okay. It was amazing. All right. <laughs> have we uh, have we discussed all that we wanted to discuss tonight? I think so. I, oh, actually, I wanted to bring up one thing, and we didn't, we're not going to go into detail again about the uh, the Blackest Night miniseries, but as soon as we stopped recording last episode, it hit me like a freaking wall. Like, we couldn't figure out who would be a good person to bring back for the Wonder Woman miniseries. Right. And I think that makes us like not deserve to read DC comics anymore <laughs> because it is so it's like one of like the most controversial deaths in comics of our generation defining Wonder Woman moments of the last like decade you're talking about 
Maxwell Cord. Oh, not Maxwell Cord. Maxwell something. Lord. Maxwell Lord. Yeah, Maxwell yeah. Lord. Yes. If he he has to show up, all like twisty necked too. Or <laughs> <laughs> he'll have to like turn away from you to be looking at you. Yeah, that'll be awesome. But I after that I thought of him like, oh damn it. How could we not think of that? They're, like The internet was on fire for like a year because people were debating whether or not she should have done it. Did she have other options? This and that. And we're trying to think, oh, gee, who's dead that would matter in Wonder Woman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody. It was somebody that died yeah. outside of Wonder Woman. Well, she still killed him. You know, you know. It counts. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Now, before we go, there are some some shout outs I want to give because I forgot last time. Awesome. Um, uh, first, Chris Johnson. He's on the comic forums. You might know him as the former host of the Amazing Spider Cast, which ended. It still has his lips in sight, but he just kind of fell out of it after a brand new day started. He knows that if there is one comic series I love as much as Green Lantern, it is the short lived. Robert Kirkman Marvel book, The Irredeemable Ant-Man. Oh, yes. Yes, this is the only book I've ever been compelled to buy in whatever form they publish it in. You know, <laughs> issues, digests, trade, I have them all. The only thing that has ever eluded me for the last however many years, two, three, whenever it came out, is issue seven of the floppies. I couldn't find it in a store, I couldn't find it online for a reasonable price, and... One day he mentioned, hey, you know what, I checked my comic shop, they have it, I got it, I'm mailing it to you. And he wouldn't take any money for it, it showed up, and it's it, this, it was just really awesome. So I wanted to give a public thank you to Chris Johnson, and everybody should watch out for, you know, there's some rumblings on the internet that he might be starting up a new general Silver Age Marvel podcast. So keep an eye out for that. What is his name on the forum? <laughs> he is, I believe it's pronounced Koete. Oh, yes. Okay. K-O-E. He has the uh, the Batmite signature. Also, I got another piece of mail the exact same day from Flint Lockjaw. That's, that's, his, uh, that's both his forum name and his pen name. He was doing, on the forum, on the comicforums.com, he was doing free pencil and ink commissions to whoever wanted them. I got Ta, spelled T-A-A. It was an alien Green Lantern from... It was either an annual or one of the Green Lantern Corps quarterly books. Um, he's like this hooded alien little gray guy with like... Instead of hands, he has it one giant finger on each arm. And I think his story was just like he got the ring, fought off an alien invasion, and was forced to become king of his people by his people because they wanted to worship him and he wants no part of it. So he's, it's basically the exact opposite of Sinestro's story. Um, but yeah, he does really quality work. You know, the fact that he did these for free is amazing. I'm going to post my sketch in... Well, not even my sketch. It's a full-blown commission in the thread for this episode. And he did reference the fact that he's going to do this again, but he might be charging. So, you know, even if he is charging, take advantage of this because the work is worth it. I got Supergirl jumping on a trampoline. Of course you did. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. That was like one of the oh, one of the two framed pieces of artwork I had hanging up in my last Jeez. apartment. Yes, brilliant. Right. And also, what you call it? As uh, 
as luck would have it, um, Coete, um, let, let's see, a year ago, 11 months basically, um, I had a like an offer to support my my new website um, at the time, FW4D, which just hit its one year mark, and Ooh. it was basically like give me any topic and I'll come up with a a strip based on that idea. So Coete was one of the people that took me up on that offer, and <laughs> I came up with a strip. He loved the strip. I was going to send it to him. And then I proceeded to never send any strips to anybody. So. Oh, God. Yeah. I still have the strips, and, you know, I actually got the mailers a few months ago, and I do plan on sending them out eventually. It's only been a year, you know. <laughs> only been 11 months. What was his uh, suggestion? Um, I'm not entirely sure, but off the top of my head, I think it was... Oh, yeah, it was the Spider-Man villain. There's only been a couple of them. Yeah. The spots? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the the disco guy. Oh, um... Um... Not Disco Stew. Not Disco Stew. No. Um, the Hypno Hustler. That's it, yes. It was a comic piece on Hypno Hustler. <laughs> yes. So... God, he's yes. a Marvel character, and they won't even do a, a comic based on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so someday uh, Koete will get that strip. Now, he probably forgot about it. Now we've just reminded him. It's basically. Um, remember a couple episodes back, we um, we were like, hey, there should be a Flash podcast. Yes. Well, there is one. Okay. <laughs> I found it, like, a couple days later is called the Flashback Podcast. There's a hyphen between Flash and Back. Okay. I listened to the first few episodes. It's by a guy named Mike and his brother-in-law, Rich. They've both been reading Flash for, like, a few decades. They've both worked in comic stores, both, like, just as employees and as, manage like, managing them. They just, they love the character. Like, they have, like, a bunch of, uh... They have up a bunch of, uh... A bunch of like introductory material episodes right now, where they're kind of getting people up to speed. Haha, <laughs> see that? That was ah. a fun for Flash Rebirth, where they're introducing you to the concepts of the who has the Flash been, what's the Speed Force, who are the villains. It seems like what they're gonna do is they're gonna be doing like a uh, monthly review episode with some supplemental material thrown in in between, and you can find them at flashbackpodcast.podbean.com So there. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay. And uh, now to close us out, this is The Lanterncast. <laughs> you can find us online at thelanterncast.com If you go there now, you can find two links to what we were speaking about on the show earlier. We have a forum. You can get to the forum from the website. Or you can go to thecomicforums.com, scroll down all alphabetically until you hit L for Lanterncast and for Love the Lanterncast. That's, that's not what it's called, but you should love the Lanterncast. And you can email us at lanterncast at gmail.com. No, we are on iTunes as the Lanterncast Podcast. Actually, it's just and... the Lanterncast again. Really? That that one works now. 
Yeah, yeah, well, no, one of them doesn't work, but one of them does. What happened was I accidentally changed the name to the new one, to the Lantern cast. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, will will, pe- will anyone have to resubscribe? Just tell us that. <laughs> they don't have to, but it will help us out if they do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, We're, we promise we won't keep changing this around. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. And, and if you won anything at the beginning of this episode, remember to email us with your snail mail address and we will get your prizes out to you. And if you are Billy Wesley, remember you won first place, so you get to choose between the kilowog figure and the art print. So let us know in your email which one you would prefer. And I just wanted to really quickly say that last episode when we had Jason on, which, you know, thank you, Jason, that was a great episode. Um, Mm -hmm. He was talking about the trade paperback that he had gotten uh, in Brightest Day. And he was, you know, hoping that that would have some sort of connections to Blackest Night and what was going to be coming. And without going into it, like, I think definitely there are. Uh, aside from anything else, they have the Blackest Night Prophecy right in there. Oh, the, uh, the Alan Moore story? Yes. Nice. So, that's it. Um, I'm Jim Ford, Joe Inada on the forums. I'm Dan Kersey. I go by Gland. And thanks for listening. Yep. Good night.